Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, weekly meditations, readings, and blessings to assist with our rest, peace, and spiritual wellness. You can find out more at LuminousAnglican.com. Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, Rock, Redeemer. So I want to talk a little bit about parish life today. We, we kind of always include this. It's a, it's a concept, it's an idea that, that lots of us may maybe misunderstand or, or just kind of maybe miss the point. But essentially, it gives us permission to be small and slow and intentional. And we, uh, we have an opportunity of uh, really enabling different types of realities here that won't ever really be transactional. And that it really gives us an opportunity of, of learning what it is to kind of just slow down and be still, not in isolation, but in a safe togetherness allows us to be in a constant process of becoming. And I think that that's what I continue to experience uh, doing what I get to do. It's an active reality where each human here is seen and valued. I'm going to get to some other thoughts, but I remember very vividly one of my first circles that I encountered living here. I was invited into this group of friends that I'd never felt like I belonged. And you'll understand as I unpack this just a little bit. It's just, it's interesting enough for me to talk about it for a second. There was a bunch of musicians that just wanted to hang out and they kind of knew each other and they were in a very interesting, they were, they made sense together. I just didn't make sense in this circle, but I was invited and I learned so much from being around. The proximity with these people gave me a different perspective on life. One person that believed that you see her name in almost every liturgy because we sing her songs almost every Sunday uh, is Sandra McCracken. And Sandra was a part of this. Her and her roommate invited me into this circle of really quirky musicians. And some of them were in bands, some of them were producers, and then came the moment where they were getting to know me, and I was a little hesitant to talk about what I was doing at the time. And they're saying, Chad, so you're a musician, we've heard you sing, we played around a lot. We used to just get together and bring guitars and just sit around, drink wine and whiskey, not at the same time, and then we would just like play music together. And it was such a gift, and we would just talk about life. And I would think, oh my gosh, I've never been around people like this before, where they were different from me, or maybe down the field from me, or maybe uh, like coming up and just kind of having these really deep, interesting thoughts. So I finally mustered up the courage to say, at this moment, and I gave it all these disclaimers, like right at, at this time, this isn't really who I am, but right now, what I'm doing is a, a musical project that um, with some guys and we're like, we're doing all of this stuff and we've got all of these um, deals on the table and we're talking to all these managers. It's just a thing. And they're like, oh, cool. So it's a band. I was like, yeah, kind of. 
And they kind of put it together, and they kind of just eased me into acceptance. And they're just like, oh, so you're in a boy band. <laughs> and I was like, kind of. And then the whole way through that whole season of life, which was a short-lived season, thank God, felt seen and known and uh, with. You know, some of us have been a part of churches who elevate their form of watertight doctrines and hermeneutics uh, that believe that their certainty and their rigidity and purpose are to protect a God who is in need of protection. And friends, I can tell you that our God has no need of this. This is not our reality. One of the many problems with this is that when we spend our energy and time waging war against anyone who believes differently than us, we don't have the capacity to welcome. We don't have the capacity to grieve with our friends. We don't have capacity to celebrate with our friends. We don't have the capacity to listen or love. For that matter, to be loved. It's just not possible. That's really hard because it makes so much more sense to feel those boxes and those containers. You kind of know all of it. And you don't question any of it. But it takes its toll on us. And the more that we lean into the love of God, the more we're compelled to find a way out. Uh, as I mentioned on Wednesday evening in here at our parish meeting, um, our purpose together is our communion with Jesus. That's, in short, that's what we do together. And we experience this with one another. And as I mentioned in the closing on Wednesday, Lex Ordini, Lex Credendi, and Lex Vivendi. This is the law of what is prayed, seen, and practiced is the law of what is believed. It becomes who we are. We become what we believe. And we can bring light to dark places or we can bring volume to already loud places. It's really our choice. But love is at the very core of the gospel. We've said this. I really, truly believe this, friends. If it is not love, it is not the gospel. We are experiencing this in real time within our community. I'm seeing it. I'm sensing it. I hear it. And I feel it. And the love of God changes us from the inside out. What I would also say, I stopped short on this thought because I was really chasing some rabbits and they were pretty fast. And uh, what I get to the place of is like Luminous specifically in many, many Anglican parishes, they, they lean east. And what I mean by that is where our communion really finds an opening up to one another in our community, into the mystical body of Christ. And many of us have experienced tastes of this, and maybe some of us have, have experienced full communion with this. But many of us have probably heard the concept, but probably never seen it embodied. 
This is where communion invites us deeper into humanity through the humanity of Jesus, through the incarnation, through us processing out to the middle of the room, recognizing this illustration of seeing Christ with us, among us. Us reposturing ourselves physically to reorient ourselves to face wherever God, wherever Christ is. It's because that is the illustration of Jesus, Christ, God with us. That we change our entire posture toward that Jesus. And if we do that in a practice of liturgy on a Sunday, what more could we be doing to reposture our life towards that Jesus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? We want to foster an honest and safe and peaceful proximity to one another. I think if we really wanted to unpack a little bit of the conversation we were having in here on Wednesday, that might be the growth that we're experiencing. Might be. It might be that idea that Christ is being visible with and among us in conversation, but in practice as well. Rowan Williams wrote this in Being Christian. The new humanity that is created around Jesus is not a new humanity that is always going to be successful or in control of things, but a humanity that can reach out its hand from the depths of chaos. He also writes in his first chapter talking about baptism is that being baptized we are being sent to be a presence in the middle of chaos. And the Center for Action and Contemplation sent this out this week. In the storm of chaos, lost in confusion and disorder, we can take on the confusion and the violence and define them, purify them into something new, you are doing what the vocabulary of faith, we would say, to consecrate our chaos. To consecrate is to make holy, to put it into service for the common good. In consecrating chaos, we engage it, we tame it, we name it take what seems to be out of control and charge it with duty for the common good. But this is modeled in creation itself. We read Genesis 1. In the beginning, the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Scripture begins with a whole world of chaos. Then God begins to find purpose and possibilities in the formless void, separating light from dark, water from land. God consecrates the chaos, giving it form. The Genesis story reminds us that the void is not as empty as we think. Chaos is never chaotic as we had feared. 
especially while together. I know many of us that want to preserve our ecosystem here at Luminous. I get that. And thankfully, we realize that we can't be all things to all people. We can't be everything to everyone. We don't have the parking place for it. We hope and believe that this is sustainable and healthy experiences. We know that it's going to be different with all of us because we bring ourselves, we bring our stories, we bring our baggage, we bring it all. That is how it works. But the invitation is this. If you are here, I pray you are seen. And if you are here, I pray that you will eventually be known and give us the gift of knowing you so that we can move forward into a beautiful light that we can be for dark places. One of my favorite people, as you know, is uh, Father Heath. And it's funny how one of our common loves is how we met. Baseball. Man, um, I want to thank everyone. For, if you're visiting, we normally don't have two sermons. So, and if I looked in a bulletin and I saw there were two priests going to speak, I think I would have left. So, um, wow. So, <clears throat> thank you for that, Chad. I'm not good at commercials, and we don't do commercials at Luminous, you know? And so, um, to talk about St. Francis Mission, I'm going to talk about a couple of things. As I was sitting there, I'm going to say this first. Um, Nate Reagan is my right-hand man at St. Francis. He's always there. And if I can't be there, he fills in for me and um, does a lot more than that. And he's a good friend, so I want to thank you for that. I also want to thank my wife, who is um, my favorite woman in the world. And she hates what I'm doing right now. Um, And I'll hear about this. But it's hard hard to be married to me. And um, I love you very much. And I thank you for just... 25 years of what we've had, and I definitely wouldn't be doing St. Francis um, without your support and your love, so thank you. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I used to have this uh, baseball bat, interesting, it was a Louisville slugger, it was 33 inches, and I found out that was way too long for a short, slightly overweight um, young man, um, but I didn't really use it for baseball much, it was my air guitar. And as I even grew into a teenager, I would, I was a very lonely child, and um, I would spend a lot of time in my room playing air guitar and listening to music and looking in the mirror and fantasizing about one day being on a stage and being in a rock band, and I wasn't a rock band for a little while, and that didn't go anywhere mercifully to your ears. But I remember from 10 years old on, I used to have this vision And this vision in my head as I was playing air guitar, listening to I don't know what, was crowds of people, all kinds of different people, from different backgrounds, with different life experiences, with different stories, different colors, different people of all shapes and sizes, and they were all together. And that is something, I don't know where that came from, probably my grandfather, who, God willing, will turn 99 this year, who 
genuinely loves, loves every single person that he meets and wants to know every single person's insides, even in the elevator. And I would always cringe because as the conversation was about to end, I knew what he was going to say to them. I also want to ask you, sir, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Awkward. But some of them hadn't and did in the elevator. I couldn't believe it. So there's that. In the passage today, it talks about Jesus speaking with authority. And I used to read that as he was powerful and strong and you knew when he spoke, you just brought the hammer down, but that's, that couldn't be what they were talking about. He spoke with authority because he'd been transformed. He'd been transformed by his father. And yes, I know Jesus is God, I believe that, but his wilderness wandering was his preparation. His wilderness wandering was going through the darkest time of his life in preparation for the work that he had to do. Isn't that how we're transformed? going through the darkest time of our life and we rise up from the ashes and go, ooh, I see the world differently. Ooh, I, I don't hate the way that I did before. I don't judge the way that I did before. 2010, my wife and I came almost to the point of divorce and um, thanks to our children and a good therapist, um, over the course of a couple of years, we... Um, decided that we were worth staying with. And I'm so thankful for that every single day. It was 2010. As a matter of fact, there's a shirt. I can't say what the shirt says on it in church, but if you find me outside and you're over 21, I'll tell you what shirt we had made about um, 2010. But in, in 2010, I also was reintroduced to one of my heroes, who was Fred Rogers. And a friend gave me a book called I'm Proud of You, My Friendship with Fred Rogers by Tim Madigan. And that book actually got all the new Fred Rogers stuff going. Tim and I are friends now, of course, and we talk on a regular basis. But I, I hand, this friend handed me this book, and I thought, the last thing I need is a book. I'm just going to read the first chapter and give it back. And then I was a teacher at this time, and I read the first chapter, and I found myself under the desk bawling. And so I handed the book back and thanked her and ordered my own copy. And if you want to be fire-hosed by goodness, read Tim's book. Or watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Or listen to the things that he would say. Like, love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. That's it. Why? In this world, do we have a rivalry that turns into enemy creation that always eventually turns into victim creation? It's the lack of love. It's the lack of love. I'm going to make this brief. I'm not going to turn this into three sermons. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother or sister's eye and ignore the log in your own? Remember that? Have you noticed that there are entire media outlets that are devoted to the opposite of that? Why would I ever make time to look at the log in my own eye when I can incessantly focus on the speck in yours? 
It's so easy to do, because as long as the problem is out there, I never deal with the darkness that's in here. And so, I transfer it. I remain a hurt person who continues hurting other people, and then it multiplies, and it multiplies, and then eventually it leads to genocide. It just does. This is an amazing place, Luminous. You have an amazing priest. A man who is broken, like we all are, but who is in love with Jesus. And when I'm with him, I leave smelling like Jesus. It's true. And we talk about everything. And he actually invited me to talk about another community of faith. Who does that? Right? Who does that? What, what if they go there and they don't come here? He doesn't care. He doesn't. <clears throat> My friends, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, the church is in trouble. We have not done a very good job at representing who Jesus Christ is and what he came to do. We have not done a very good job with all kinds of different people groups who we have decided, instead of doing our own inner work and inviting God in Christ to transform our own inner beings from glory to glory more into his likeness, we have told other people they're not welcome because of whatever. And if you're wondering who I'm talking about, I'm talking about any people group, anywhere, all of them. This table is a table of reconciliation where we once a week gather together and are reminded that there is one humanity and there is one heartbeat of love. And we're invited to rest and breathe and be fed by the one who gives us life, who spoke everything into being. And know that there is one table and one humanity and every single person that you've ever met and every single person that's ever lived belongs around that table. God is like Jesus. Jesus is like God. There has never been a time where God was not like Jesus. Right? Who would Jesus exclude? Who would Jesus exclude? Anyone? No one. We have also denied ourselves little pieces, little mosaics of who God is. Because when I sit with Chad, when I sit with a friend, God is speaking to me. I'm learning something about God in your eyes, in your face, in the vibrations of your voice, in your touch, in your energy. And when we cut ourselves off from different people, we're cutting ourselves off from parts of who God is. So, wrapping it up. God is like Jesus. Jesus is like God. There's never been a time where God was not like Jesus. Know that. That's why Jesus is a big, big deal here. St. Francis is a place where we sit around the table, we drink pints, I read scripture, and we have a discussion, and we have the Eucharist. And you can bring whatever. Sometimes there's two people there. 
Sometimes there's 15 people there. But Jesus is always there. And I'm so thankful that I get to fuel up at Luminous and then show up at St. Francis as well. If you would like more information or ways to be a part of Luminous, please go to luminousanglican.com. Peace be with you.